0: Okay, we are on memhe ahmed Bey's forty five b beginning chapter hamishi perika hasnoiza They are two partners um they could be partners in anything this particular case, the two people have apartments and they share the land in front of their apartments in front of their houses and uh each one forbids themselves to benefit. From the courtyard. I'm not allowed to benefit from my neighbor. My neighbor accuses me of taking things. He swears it should be forbidden for him to touch anything that belongs to the neighbor. So the problem is they have a shared courtyard. So uh, the first opinion says, since you're forbidden to benefit from the neighbor and he's half ownership of the yard, you're forbidden to go in. Or Lazar Ben Yaakov says, no, Zen niklas is sokshelova, Zen Nikkas is shalov." Each one is allowed to use the courtyard and we say that each one, the part of the courtyard they go into is the part that they own, their half. And this relies on the famous rule known as breira, selection. Now, in theory, each of them owns 50% of every uh, inch of that yard, but you could say that the part they're using is the part that belongs to them. There's a whole debate about how breira works and that's a common Gomorrah question that comes up, whether that person can say selection. Can I say that the part that I walked on was mine? Or maybe the part that I walked on was yours. We owned it dually. Where Elizabeth and Yaakov holds you can. Vishnehem, as we turn to Memvav Amidala, 46a. But they both would agree that if they want to do something in the shared yard that they need the other one's permission for, and they're forbidden to benefit, So they can't do that because they would normally not be allowed to do that without permission of the other one, and they've sworn they won't benefit from them. Uh, Both of them would be forbidden to put a millstone in the courtyard, an oven in the courtyard, a legato tarnigolum or roosters. Because even if they uh, were to do that, they'd be using their neighbor's share of the courtyard. There is one thing that's important to mention, Sometimes when we swear that they won't benefit from the other person, sometimes benefit is defined by something that you could charge for. Um, The Ran and uh, the other Mephorshim have said over here that uh, sometimes a person doesn't charge for the right to use their cut-through or their sidewalk, but here they forbidden benefit, even not necessarily a monetary benefit, any benefit whatsoever. And that's why, in theory, they're not allowed to use my share of the courtyard. Okay, back to the Gemara. Two lines from the top. What happens if only one of them forbid the other? So that person, he can't go in, He's forbid, he forbid himself, he can't go in. He could go in and use the courtyard and say, the part of the courtyard I'm using, even though it was never, never formally divided, he could argue the part I'm using is his. The ena I'm not going to your part. So this actually is pita, it's simple, it's the same as the previous teaching. But what's new here is the following. We force the person who made the vow to sell his share. The other guy is handicapped now because he can't. Um, he can't do things in his courtyard because it was meant to be shared, and now this person has forbid them to share it. So we can ask, we can force him now to sell it. Um, let's say somebody in the street, a third party is forbidden to benefit from one of these two owners. So he can't go in the yard, because he might be going in the yard of the one who he forbid to benefit from. R'lau says he could, and he could say, Yomelo, Soh I'm going into not your part of the yard, I'm going into your neighbor's part. I'm not entering your part. Next case, Hamotor Namik Somebody forbids benefit from their friend, Ve'yesh Lo and that person owns a bathhouse, Ubeis or an olive press, but they're rented out in the city, so even though it's rented out, if he still controls it, it's not fully rented, so you swore you wouldn't benefit from this guy and he owns a share of the bathhouse, so you can't do it. If he doesn't have Tfis Yad, if he doesn't have a hand in it, and we'll define that in the Gemara, how much ownership is considered a Tfis Tis Yad. If a person says to his friend, uh, your house should be a corbin to me i I swear i'm not going to enter your house i 'm never going to buy your field so Mace, if the person dies, or he sells the field to someone else, so he swore i'll never enter your house if the person dies, it's not his house. He swore i'll never uh, enter your field I'll never buy your field well it's not yours anymore konan but if he says i this house is forbidden to me. Even if you sell it, it's forbidden. Or Sada zoo. this field I'll never buy. It would still be forbidden. It would make no difference. Let's see the Gemara. The Gemara has a question. They're arguing where each one stuck his foot in his mouth. I forbid myself to benefit from you. But what about if the other person is the one that forbid him? Would they still argue or not? Me, Maybe they only argue where I make the vow, so I'm forbidden to go into the yard. But if the other person did it to me, or they did it to each other, maybe the rabbinu would be more lenient in this case and allow them to go in the yard. Because they're stuck. They didn't ask for somebody to make a vow against them. And now they can't use their uh, house. I mean, imagine if the only access to the house is through the shared yard. And the neighbor swore that I forbid you to benefit from me. And like the Rabbonin, you can't go in the yard if, if half of it is owned by your neighbor. So maybe in this case, they would allow leniency to rely on selectivity, like Relezer ben Yaakov, and it's okay. Or Or maybe they argue even in that case. That is the question. So, Tashma, come in here. If one of the person forbids the other guy to benefit, and they still argue in that case. So, you see that even in the case, not only where he forbids himself, is he forbidden to go into the shared yard, but even if the other person forbid him, uh, he would be forbidden. Gomorrah said it's not a clear proof because... Instead of learning the word, he was forbidden by the neighbor, you could learn the word, Tani Noder. He forbid himself by making the vow, Nechaver. So the Morris said, now, when you make a change in text, you need to kind of prove that there's such a change. So the Morris said, can it's logical. Because if you look in the next part, We force the one that made the vow to sell his share in the yard. Yeah, Ms. Bishlema, Nedir, who, if he's the one who swore and he created the problem, so then we're going to force him to uh to sell his portion right that's why we forced him, but Eli Yamis but if he was uh, sworn by somebody else, he didn't do anything wrong, so why would we force him? Hameus onus he had he was forced uh to be forbidden. it wasn't his choice, so that's a good proof, or at least that that we see from there that it does imply <laughs> that's a reasonable proof. Omar Rabba, Omar Ziri, as we turn the page. Rabba said in the name of Ziri, Machlokas, until now, when we've been talking about this courtyard, uh, that, again, it's owned by two people, and each one forbids the other to benefit from it, but each one has a share in it. So this argument is where the courtyard is really big enough to divide. But if it's really not big enough to divide, so what we have to say is when they bought it, they understood when they bought it, were they thinking eventually they'll draw a line somewhere or when they bought it, they always understood that the two of them would share it. And if it's too small to really divide, meaning that um, it, it's really a small piece, uh, in order to divide a land, it needs to be a certain minimum size for it to be useful. But if it's a very small piece, uh, then it's not you're not able to divide it. So it was understood from the very beginning that each one uh, was not going to be using a different part of the land, but that they would each own it jointly. So then everybody agrees it's permitted to use it. Amar Leir, Yosef, Hare, Bezok, Well, what about a shul? In those days, they had private shuls. Today, they're coming back. People have shuls in their basement that they own. Now, a shul, the Kamish ein bo What if two sides of the shul, one side says, I forbid you to... Um, uh, to benefit from me, and I own this shul. So you can't cut the shul in half. You can't say, well, my half of the shul, you can daven it, and my half not. That neither one can enter the shul if they're forbidden to benefit from each other. Um, and that, that, because, the, in other words, two people are fighting, and each of them jointly owns the shul, and each one forbids the other person to benefit from them. And over there, it's not something you could split. And you still see it's forbidden. He says, really, they argue the opposite of what we said. Really, they argue when there's not enough room to divide. Where there's not enough room to divide, and they swore not to let the other one benefit, then we're not sure if you can use it. You could look at it the other way. When it's big enough that each one uh, has a reasonable part of that land, then Then it's clear that it's forbidden uh, to be used. The, the logic could go the question is this argument about where they each own half, does it make a difference if it's a large plot or a small plot? Is there a land that you would, uh, when they bought it, they thought they eventually would split it? Or does it make a difference if the land wasn't big enough to split it, like a shul that's never split? how do we hold, we hold like uh, that they are allowed uh, to go on it. So then we said in the Mishnah that if they forbid each other to benefit and there is a bathhouse, that as long as the owner doesn't benefit from the rental, Meaning that it doesn't matter how much how many people use it, he doesn't benefit. The rental's gonna be the same. That's okay. but if he gets a percentage of the rental, then you're benefiting him and we to go to that bathhouse. And how much is considered a hand in it? So Reb Nachman, <inaudible> he has a fifty percent ownership, a shlish, a third, Levi, or a fourth. butts are low, but less than that, no. Um Omar Abayah, says, no, even less. And how would you uh, define less? Hechi uh, daimu, when would it be not considered uh, a hand in it? The Meqabu Demetiska, let's say he just gets a set amount of money, like a tax every year. So it makes no difference to him how many people use the bathhouse. If you use the bathhouse, he's still going to get the same amount of money. There is another version over here. Instead of the word Afilu Bebatzir, it has the word bibetsa The Ran has that version. And basically, in the bathhouse, they used to have to heat it very hot to get the steam. And they used to rent out to the people that made um, earthenware. They used to, uh, the people would take their earthenware to the bathhouse to dry out the earthenware balls, the earthenware eggs. Uh, And so even though he rented out the bathhouse to someone else, sometimes the owner would keep the rights to the eggs uh, either to sell the to an egg concession like he keeps the confe the concession machines, or he keeps the rights to dry if people uh, will bri- the was common in that city for people who make clay earthenware things to use the kiln like thing that he, he sold the bathhouse he rented it out for people that want to take a bath. But if, even if he keeps the rights to uh, to uh, for people to dry out their earthenware. That would be the question, is that considered that he still owns a share of that bathhouse or not?